0: And welcome to a very special edition of Between the Lines. What with it being the Christmas season, I thought it only fitting to ask some of my fellow writers to write their own Christmas stories, poems, and or personal memories. And then record them for the purpose of this podcast. For the next 30 minutes, possibly more, I hope you are entertained humored and blessed by this little Christmas offering to you from those who have contributed to Between the Lines. It seems only appropriate that the first contributor is from Terry Lineman, who was the very first guest ever on Between the Lines. Here is her Christmas memory.
1: A Time Capsule by Terry Lineman. The honey-brown varnish of the six-foot-long birch table is etched with memories. When the light from the dining-room chandelier hits it just right, a world of activity magically shows up on its surface like invisible ink. Tiny scratches and lines mark the table. A few faint letters, even a word here and there, can be seen on its surface, evidence of evenings long ago when our three daughters would spread out their textbooks and papers to do their homework. Laughter and giggles could always be heard as they worked, often with a heavy hand on the pen or pencil as they inadvertently created a time capsule on our dining room table. Many years ago, when our three daughters were young, their father worked as a tree planter and spacer, a caretaker of our forests. One day he discovered a fallen birch tree. He went back to find it a few days later, cut it into two logs and hauled them home. Over the next few months, the wood was planed and dried and lovingly transformed into an exquisite family heirloom that appeared in our dining room a few days before Christmas, along with six beautiful chairs. His timing was perfect because we were hosting our two families that year for Christmas dinner. Many years later, we still gather around this table for family dinners, birthday celebrations, many creative projects and game nights. The table continues to be the center of our gatherings, with a few more lines and paint marks added to its surface. My best Christmas gift ever is our dining room table that was lovingly created and presented one magical Christmas by my husband, Mark.
0: Our next story was written and read by Karen Lumley. It's called A Scary Christmas Story.
2: Christmas Eve was the last time I worked as a psych nurse before I went into the private enterprise of being paid to enter the minds of others. My name is Amelia, and I worked linking my mind to the minds of others until a certain psychiatrist at Omega, found it was me helping his patients that he did not want helped. My friend Jacob, who could also link with others' minds, used to be one of Omega's patients, And escape when Jacob found Omega wanted to use his abilities to make certain people worse instead of better. I escaped too, leaving my night shift because Omega was visiting one of his patients then. He was the only psychiatrist who made such calls late at night. I preferred to work nights. Most patients were asleep and I could enter their minds and look for the holes there and install a thread that would weave a net over the hole. The net served to knit together their broken thoughts into a pattern and buffer the chemical reactions that their raging amygdala were firing. I could tell when the thread of an idea had formed a pattern, the patient would smile in their sleep. At Christmas Eve, I had been working with a patient who had been catatonic for several weeks without any seeming cause i just finished with this patient, and she had opened her eyes and smiled at me. It was rare for that to happen, and I was so enthralled I had not noticed the shadow across the door. I turned to see the enraged face of Omega. His face was darker than his red hair with his perfect teeth clenched to offset the dark green eyes being held in place with stylish brown and gold glasses. When the patient looked over at him, his face returned immediately to a placid calm. I was always wary the way his smile never reached his eyes, and this facial expression raised the hair on the back of my neck. "'Good evening, Amelia,' Omega said. "'Good evening, Mrs. Wilson.' "'Good evening, Doctor,' I replied. Mrs. Wilson smiled at me and strained to see whose voice was speaking to her from the doorway. "'Mrs. Wilson, I see you have awakened, and you must need more medication to make certain you sleep through the night.' It is important that you rest, he said to her, and then to me. Nurse Amelia, there is no need for you to bother with this. I will take care of Mrs. Wilson's medication. After I saw him leave, I checked Mrs. Wilson's chart, and no record had been made of what he had given her. Mrs. Wilson went into cardiac arrest and died just before 3 a.m. I checked the records for what had been administered to patients against the medication left in the cabinet, and everything was in order. I found a card in the cabinet addressed to me. A simple typed note read, You're too late. It was only a matter of time before he found a way to get rid of me, like he got rid of certain rich patients. I left. I did not go back.
0: Well, I hope that wasn't too scary for you. I know I'm starting to think twice about some of the nurses that I know. Our next story was submitted by Madeline Pretschler and is entitled jackson's christmas church
3: service hi everyone i'm jackson sitting in a christmas church service my mom says i need to be quiet watch and listen i'm only six and when we stand up all those big people block my view and i can't see anything except bald spots behinds and backs i can't wait till i grow and can see over everyone's head this is not a good time to sneeze or cough, because it echoes super, ooper loud. My brother Luke tooted once when there was a long, quiet part. Holding a laugh inside at church is like having a giggle monster living inside your head, and he isn't a very good listener. You say no laughing in your head to him, but it gets funnier and funnier. I was shaking, and I thought my skin would turn purple. Luke's mouth was clamped down in a hard line, and then his giggle monster escaped through his nose like a snort. And then Mom saw, and we got in trouble. I hope Santa isn't watching me while I'm sitting in church, because it's hard to be good here. When we sit, I can see. I watch the choir as they sing, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. A lady in front of the choir is waving her hands. I wonder if she stopped her arms if the singing would stop. I have a very loud voice, and I can make my song go in tune. We are allowed to sing along if we know the words. But when I do, people turn around and look at me. I smile, but one guy keeps staring. I thought staring was rude, so I made a face at him and get this. Mom sees and shakes her head at me and puts her finger to her lips. Not so loud. So much for making a joyful noise. I hate mumble singing. In kindergarten, my teacher loves my singing. She holds her hand by her ear, meaning louder, louder, and I never disappoint. There's so many rules in church. This part of church is the whisper part. And sing if you're not too loud, apparently. There's a section where we eat sometimes. That's the hungry part. And people laugh and talk out loud. I like the hungry part better. Wild fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. Hey, I didn't know there were planes in Bible days. I loved watching airplanes. Maybe the shepherds loved it too. But I thought baby Jesus was born years ago in the olden days. Maybe angels rode on planes and opened the window and told the shepherds about the baby. Those guys must be different than my dad. You tell him about a new baby and he says, oh nice, but mom will go, oh. I'm not really that excited about babies either. Mom's friends have babies and they don't do much except cry, sleep, eat, puke. I think Jesus must have been a funner baby, though, and he sure got to be more fun as he got bigger. Then he did lots of things to help people. Now he lives in heaven with God, and apparently he can see me. I wonder if he and Santa work together on reporting my behavior. Those two guys keeping tabs on me plus mom, I can't get away with much. It doesn't even seem like she's looking, and then she notices right at the moment when I stick out my tongue or make a face. Ah, church. We stand up. We sit down. We stand up. We sit down. I'm so happy when we finally get to the lasagna song because then we're almost done. Luke says it's Hosanna, but I don't think that's English. If it is, I have no idea what it means. But why we sing about lasagna in church doesn't make sense because it's not a prayer to thank God for food. Well, maybe by the time I can see over top of people's heads, I will understand.
0: Our fourth story comes from the mind of Chris Ross. It's a story about, well, I think I'll let you find out for yourself. I can
4: tell you, however, it's called Spirit the Reindeer. Why is today more than the winter solstice? Because it's a date that we elves never miss. This is the day, the shortest one of the year, that's very special for Spirit the Reindeer. We appreciate his presence. He's much more than a pet. He reminds us that Christmas is about those whom we've met. So let me share with you an old solstice story about dear spirit, his life, and true reindeer glory. We all know about Donner, Dancer, and Dasher, but do you know about spirit, Trixie, and Basher? That poem from 1823, the year Santa's reindeer first came to be. The tale was written by Clement Clark Moore, for those that loved Christmas, wealthy or poor. What has long been forgotten, over a century or two, is that this story about reindeer is simply quite true. Cupid, Prancer, and six others were the heart of his tale, but forgetting the rest, that was his fail. For eons, each solstice, the reindeer herds gathered, a chance to meet, to contest, so excited they lathered. This was the date that Santa would choose, a team to pull hard and follow his cues, to some this might seem like an act of slavery but to the reindeer it was a sign of sure bravery they would all butt and prance and prove they were proud try anything to ensure they stood out from the crowd some were not like this they were more like sweet spirit contesting for glory they didn't want to be near it so they traveled to be social meet old friends and make new they avoided the big games stood back with a few One year, our friend Spirit, who still had no name, was in the wrong spot and got caught in the game. This reindeer and others, they were stuck in the rush. Senses sensed a problem and quickly yelled, Hush! The game had turned tragic. The contest came to a halt, but he was slow to the cause and knew he was at fault. The reindeer mob held still, but it was sadly too late. Trixie was dead. Basher suffered a similar fate. Oh, little spirit, the injury he had to endure, barely alive, though his soul seemed so pure. He was injured and crying, fallen down in the snow. Santa rushed over and shouted, to the North Pole, let's go. He picked that year's winners, led by Donner and Vixen, and promised the herds, this brave reindeer, I'll fix him. To the stable he rushed, pulled by his mighty team, because mercy to all is a true Christmas theme each night santa went to the barn for a quick visit we elves so curious we just couldn't miss it and over three days our new friend showed he would heal his eyes sparkled so bright that we started to feel this reindeer's zest for life his desire to live meant more to us than all the toys we could give we were tired from our work he gave us such a lift he taught us that life was by far the real gift So on Christmas Eve, Kringle came up with a plan. I'm going to be brave, he said, and go visit the man. Kringle would stand for us, ask for something we sought. Not a pet, but a true friend, a little elf mascot. Santa, he asked, we have a request. Please don't fear it. Can this reindeer please stay? We have a name. He is spirit. Santa lifted his head from his dinner and put his fork down. He then raised his right brow and struck a big frown. We've never kept reindeer after the Christmas season. The games will be finished. The herds will cry treason. But Santa, Kringle argued, he was certainly brave. Maybe this tradition should change. Think of the lives we will save. Santa scratched his long beard and considered these words. This is true, he said. Put a word out to the herds. No longer will I hold this barbaric contest just to choose eight reindeer that I consider the best. It's not fair to the ones that annually lose. So sad it must seem to those I don't choose. I'm done with the battle, the contest, this theme. I'm finished, he concluded. This is my last team. But why bother? Why care? The herds were overgrown. It's because over the years, this kind man has shown that doing something for one is the Christmas way. This little reindeer will heal and then he would stay. Santa smiled and laughed as he got up from the table. He told Kringle to find more space in the stable, for Spirit would need a place to survive, a spot to live if we want him to thrive. So that is the story of why Solstice is the Elves' special day. It's the anniversary of the night that this reindeer would stay, and the rest of the story you've heard many times. It's told every year, the heart of Christmas rhymes. You now know the names of Santa's eight final reindeer, and that he no longer changes them year after year. They are his team, and under his guidance they thrive. As for the rest of the herds, they now stay alive. Wow, who knew?
0: Who knew? The next story almost didn't make it into the podcast. It took several attempts for it to actually make it into my files. All I will say is that I blame it on solar flares. The Twelve-Wheeler Christmas was written by Diane Bader. Twelve-Wheeler
5: Christmas by Diane Bader Ben watered the six-inch Christmas tree with a cold, shaky hand. He was surprised it still thrived in the damp cold of the Ontario winter. Was it his imagination, or had it grown just a titch? He kept the water bottle, careful not to spill a drop. There might be a need for it later to soothe his rumbling stomach. "'Excuse me,' said a woman. "'You can't park that here.' "'That was the line of three shopping carts Ben pushed through the streets of town, "'his twelve-wheeler, up and down both the busy and the quieter streets where the shops stood, "'never in front of people's homes. "'He didn't want to be reminded of where he'd come from. "'He released a long, frustrated sigh. (sighs) "'I'm not parked. I'm watering my Christmas tree.' She put her hands on her hips but took a step back like she was afraid, or he was contagious. Then water it and move along. I will, Ben said as he tucked the water bottle into the middle of his ratty, rolled up sleeping bag. The woman tapped her foot while she waited. Ben sat on a nearby bench and pulled at half a chocolate bar. When? she finally asked. Soon as I'm ready. He unwrapped the chocolate and breathed in the sweetness before he took a small bite. Her shoulders seemed to tighten even more. You're making my customers nervous. Ben snorted a laugh. They're in a bank at Christmas. They're already nervous. None of them have any money. Everything's on credit. How would you know, she asked. His gaze darted from the chocolate bar to her heart-shaped face. I was them 300 years ago. This is all I have left. She shifted from heel to heel before she glanced up and down the street. When is the last time you ate? Right now. He held up the last inch of chocolate. I got lucky. Dollar store had these marked down. A pained expression crossed her face. I mean a real meal. Don't know. Before I got the chocolate bars. When was that? You're nosy. I don't like strange nosy women, he said. This time she laughed, which surprised him. My name is Rose. I'd like to buy you lunch. His hazel eyes grew wide before he gave a nod. Ben, I haven't been on a date in 30 years. I'm not starting now. Rose shook her head. I'm going across the street to get my lunch. Can I bring you back a sandwich or something? He took one last bite of the chocolate as he studied her. No date? My husband wouldn't approve. Okay, then he said, but no funny stuff. Agreed. She smiled, then headed to the corner and strode across the street. While she was gone, Ben wiped his hands on the clean part of his pants and stood up. One by one, he pushed all three carts across the street in front of Town Hall. As soon as he had them lined up along a low stone wall, he sat for a rest. Are you leaving without your lunch? Rose called out to him from in front of the bank. Ben shielded his eyes from the sunshine. Nope. She joined him in front of the stone wall and handed him a steaming paper cup. There's cream and sugar in your lunch with your lunch in the bag. Where are you going? You're nice to buy me lunch, he said, as he set the cup on the wall and took the bag. I won't scare you customers today. Her face softened. Thank you. Merry Christmas, Ben. A small grin lit his face. Huh. That explains why people are being nicer than normal. Rose's cheeks reddened. After a minute, she reached into her purse. You're right. I'll tell you what, Ben. Next time you come by the bank, come inside and ask for me. We can have lunch together again. Maybe even talk. Ben took her business card and tucked it into the folds of his sleeping bag next to the water bottle. Okay. Whatever you say. Merry Christmas, Nosy Rosie.
0: We all have special memories of Christmas. And Michelle Voyager is no exception. Here is her story of what Christmas means to her.
6: Hello, my name is Michelle. I live in northern BC, where winters can last anywhere from four to six months of the year. So, with that being said, I love Christmas. I always have. And from a young child living down on the coast... We didn't have the kind of winters there that we do here. So when we would get snow, oh my goodness, that was everything to us, especially at Christmas time. All the neighborhood kids, they would all gather up somewhere, either in someone's backyard or in a field where we could build snow forts and have snowball fights. And if it got cold enough, we were able to go skating on the ponds where the boys would play hockey and the girls would do their figure skating. And, oh, it was just, those were the best days. I grew up in a family where I have five siblings. And Christmas for us was always a messy affair, but it was filled with so much fun and laughter And root beer, because every year my dad, without fail, would buy a kit of the Hire's Root Beer Concentrate. And he would make cases of Hire's Root Beer for us as a treat. And we look forward to it every year. One time, though, I remember he had made his pop. We were all in bed. This was probably the week before Christmas. And we were all sound asleep. And then we weren't because there was all this racket. It was like banging and popping and crashing and glass breaking. And we were so confused. Uh, It turned out that some of the pop bottles decided that they would just pop their lids. So there was glass everywhere. There was pop everywhere. And the thing that stands out to me the most was not the the anticipation to drink the pop, not the anticipation that it would be for Christmas time, but it was the fact that the pop itself, it was stored under my parents' bed. Oh, what a mess. Anyway, as the second oldest of the six children, I was the one that helped my mom clean up the mess after the gift opening Christmas morning. So you can imagine there was not even an inch of floor that wasn't covered with wrapping paper. Oh, it was everywhere. And we would fill up garbage bag after garbage bag of wrapping paper. Um, And then from there my family moved to Northern BC and we were in for a real shock that first Christmas because it snowed and snowed and snowed. We thought, oh, this isn't too bad the first day when there was, you know, a few inches. But uh, when it finished snowing, it that first year was a record snowfall. We had About eight and a half feet of snow that year. And not one of us was complaining. We were so excited. So for Christmas that year, our parents bought us, uh, I think it was about an eight foot wooden toboggan. And before we were able to go on a toboggan, my dad had instructed us all on how to turn the toboggan. Use the ropes, lean to the left, lean to the right, whichever way you want to turn. And so my mom, bless her heart, had us so bundled up. We had snow pads, those big heavy old winter boots with the felt lining. We had scarves. We had toques. It was almost impossible to move. But here we went traipsing up that hill. And we were lucky we lived out in the middle of nowhere. And so we were actually on the road. And because we were the only permanent family living on that road at that time, it didn't matter because there were like, it was just us. So up the hill we go and it was a big hill. So when we all piled on our toboggan, we pushed off and It was just amazing until we all forgot how to turn a corner. So on the sharp corner near the bottom of the hill is when we went, oh, we really don't know what we're doing. And over the snowbank we flew. Some of us caught some really good airtime. All of us rolled down the hill repeatedly. And oh, we were laughing so hard. We were covered in snow. At that point, I was glad that my mom had us all so bundled up. Otherwise, we would have just been soaking wet. So that was our first Christmas in the north. And it was amazing. But as I got older, uh Christmas was a little bit different for me. I didn't have that childhood anticipation and and it made me sad like I wanted to have that feeling back and you know when I had children and they experienced their first Christmases knowing what was coming that brought back the Christmas magic for me and that lasted for a few years and uh, as they got older it kind of left. And I I knew it was gone when one Christmas I was the first one up. I was the one pacing waiting to open presents, and I was the one that finally had to go wake up all three of my daughters. Come on you guys, get up. It's Christmas morning. Come on, get up. And they were, "Oh, mom, we were sleeping." And so I I knew that that part of My Christmas joy again, seeing it through the eyes of a child, that was gone until I had grandchildren, and there it was. It came back. It was wonderful. I have a grandson and a granddaughter, and so I got to experience all that wondrous joy again, but this year... My granddaughter is 12, my grandson is 17, and so the days of Santa and all that excitement, that left probably three years ago when my granddaughter finally figured it out. Nobody told her. I know I was told by my older brother when I was about seven, and I was devastated no one told my granddaughter she just kind of put two and two together, and she figured it out so then I thought, "Oh, yeah, well, my kids they're they're growing up. I'm not gonna feel that again, but there's a granddaughter on the way, and she is due next month in January, so already I'm trying to plan what it's gonna be like when she's old enough to to know that something's happening to to know that there's something coming to her from Santa and I can't wait for her to be able to write her first letter to go to the North Pole, to be able to read her name on a present and see, oh, it's from Santa. And, and I just want to see that the, the spark of joy for her as she realizes that Man, this Santa guy, he's pretty cool. Look what he got me. And to me, that's going to be my Christmas gift, is just watching her and and feeling the happiness and um, just being there to give her a hug and say, Oh, you lucky little girl, look what Santa brought you. And this year, for Christmas, we are having a smaller... Toned down kind of Christmas, what with all the, the pandemic that's going on. And my wish is next year to have fewer restrictions on gatherings and to be able to be with my parents as well as some of my siblings, perhaps my niece, maybe my nephews as well. And To just have that feeling of family. Because for me, family is everything. Where would I be without my family? They have given me such joy. Have brought such happiness. And Christmas is that happiness for me. And as it's fast approaching, I am starting to get more and more excited. And I cannot wait. So Merry Christmas one and all. And I hope you've enjoyed my Christmas memories. All right. Thank you.
0: For those of you who enjoy history, our next story by Barry Freeman is called Tinsel Time and is a recollection of memories from bygone days.
7: Tinsel Time, the tradition of the Christmas tree, a decorated evergreen, was brought to the southern prairies by white European settlers in the mid-1800s. However, Christmas trees were hard to find in the southern prairie of Alberta, part of what is known as the Palliser Triangle, a semi-arid desert where settlers learned that sufficient rain perhaps fell once every three years with enough to harvest a crop. The pine or spruce tree traditionally used for the yearly ritual of decorating did not grow naturally here. There are no forests of Christmas trees. The closest forest of Evergreens to my hometown is found a few hours' drive away in the mistakenly named Cypress Hills. Our father reminded us that he had been recruited to fight a fire there in the dirty 30s when it was a forest reserve. He had personally saved many trees from the fire, and someone owed him a free Christmas tree now and then. When the hills became a provincial park in 1951, that mostly ended the Christmas tree trade. In my childhood, evergreens were imported from the north, sold at a premium in the grocery store parking lots. Tied up like hostages in a bank robbery, they were stacked together and surrounded by a chain-link fence and guarded by a fake Santa and a cheap tasseled hat, stamping his feet in the cold, puffing smoke from a cigarette, and sipping from a paper cup of whiskey-fortified coffee. Other trees were sold right off the back of an open truck at the Texaco service station, hand-painted sign hanging from a rope, Christmas trees, a dollar a foot, until Christmas Eve when they could be had for 50 cents a foot. A tree inside the house made a big impression on me, especially such an exotic and fragrant tree. Hanging things on it and having lights glittering was a magic time. Once the tree was freed from bondage and shaken out, it was mounted on the stand and properly balanced, a decision had to be made about the top of the tree ornament. Choices were a plastic silver-winged angel, a heavy translucent star lit from within by a three-watt mini-bulb, or Happy Santa, arms akimbo and joyous greeting, also lit from within by a three-watt mini-bulb, and only slightly melted from the year he tipped over on his back and no one noticed until the day after Christmas. Then a string of lights were wound around and round. Always plug them in and check them before hanging on the tree. One dead bulb and none of them lit up. Easier to check them on the floor before mounting. What are the lessons learned and forgotten over the year between trees? Antique glass ball ornaments, colors fading and sparkling bits glued on, hung with care, new plastic glow-in-the-dark icicles, painted wooden toy miniatures, and then strings of sparkly plastic around and around, as many as could be pulled from the battered garland storage box without being fatally tangled and strangled. Then came what was for me the most stressful part, hanging of the tinsel. Always last and always to be done strictly to protocol. Each glittering strip of foil from the bunch, draped carefully over an open hand, must be taken individually and then even more carefully hung, one by one, over open spaces and at the end of every branch to hang straight down like frozen, shimmering ice. It was a rule. It must be done just so. My hands shook under the watchful eye of my parents. Slowly, painfully, I worked my way around the tree, hanging tinsel, and, just because I was the smallest at the time, to the back against the wall where I could not be seen. Neither could my handiwork be seen. At first I flung one strip of tinsel over a higher branch, but eventually the joy of Christmas overtook me. I flung not caring whether the strands of glitter hung straight or not. In fact, a feeling of joyous abandon filled my heart when the tinsel clung however chance decreed. It must have been the true Christmas spirit within me. It became a ritual and a joy every year that at some point, while decorating the tree, I would find time to fling tinsel somewhere around the back where only I know it's there, shouting in my mind, Tinsel
0: flingers of the world, unite. The End It is my sincere hope that the stories you have just listened to have touched your heart in some way and have made your Christmas a little more special. Thank you for listening. Have a safe and Merry Christmas.